Awesome. Well, listen, it is great to be with you. I'm really excited today. Sorry, that's going to drive me nuts if it's not centered. (laughs) Sorry, it's just me. That's just me. It's just me. All right, cool. Hey, uh, listen, I just want to do a couple things. Uh, Before I get started, I want to welcome all of our live stream viewers wherever you are connecting uh, with us from. Uh, It's great to be with you. Thanks uh, for joining us today on this beautiful Sunday morning. Can I ask you guys to do me a huge favor? If you have a Facebook account, and if you have access to that Facebook account today, whether it's a smartphone or a tablet or something of the like, would you do me a huge favor? Would you take 30 seconds? Would you go on Faith Chapel's Facebook page, and would you share the live stream today? What we want to do is we want to be able to leverage technology and reach as many people for Jesus as we can, to connect them with Jesus. And you're a huge part of that. So like I said, if you can do me a huge favor, like it would probably take you like 30 seconds if you would go on Faith Chapel's page, share that. If you're watching online and you, whether you're on Facebook or you're on church online, if you would share that, that'd be absolutely amazing. But come on, let's continue to reach the world uh, for Jesus together. Amen? Awesome. Cool beans. Hey, I want to honor Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly. Would you give it up for these guys really quickly? I love the look on their faces every time that we just honor them, because it's, it's just really cool. I mean, I, I, I have to be honest with you, like, words cannot even describe how passionate they are about our family and the amount of time and energy. I mean, they just pour out their hearts day in and day out for our Faith Chapel family, and they are worthy of honor. So we love you guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly gave Sarah and I a shot almost five years ago, coming right out of college, hadn't even finished our degrees, and said, hey, we want you to minister to the students. And I'll tell you, we are forever, forever grateful for the opportunity, not just to serve with you, but to be a part of this amazing Faith Chapel family. So I just want to honor you guys. Thank you so much. Listen, before I jump in, I just have one more thing. Today we are concluding our Stories That Change the World series. We've been looking at the stories that Jesus told, the parables, to be able to learn how they apply to our lives and how we can change the world through the lessons and the principles that Jesus taught through these stories. And next week, we're really excited. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Lost and Found. I can't wait. We're going to take a fresh look at the story of the prodigal son, and then we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to pull some elements out of the story and see how it pertains to our personal identity. So if, you, if, if you're coming on Sundays, invite your friends. If you're watching on live stream, fill your living room, fill your break room, whatever you got to do, get people in the room, get people connected, because next week, Lost and Found is going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be good. All right, cool. Let's just take a minute and pray. Would you just close your eyes with me for one second? Let's just, let's just create some room for the Holy Spirit. Uh, to move as we, um, as we look at the, the word today. Father, we just bless your holy name. You're worthy, God. Holy Spirit, would you just move in our midst right now? We need you, Father. We want to walk out of this room different than when we came in, God. We want to be healed. We want to be refreshed. We want to be restored. We want to be renewed. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We need you, Father. We stand upon the promises in your word, God, where you say that where two or more are gathered, you're there in their midst. So we just bless your name, Father. Do whatever you want to do in this place today, Lord. Just come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait for another 30 seconds. Just focus on Jesus in this moment. Father, we need you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Jesus. 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 As we were praying, I just felt the Holy Spirit lay on my heart. I don't want to ignore this moment. Don't worry, we'll get to the message, I promise you. But uh, as, as we were just praying there for a second, I feel like there's a couple people 
uh, in this room where you have something weighing on your heart so heavily. I don't know if it's stress, uh, anxiety. It could be all the above. Maybe you've been having panic attacks, but because of something, not just the symptom, but something is causing you to be stressed or anxious, and it's really, really, really weighing on your heart. And God knows where you're at, and he sees you. And if that pertains to you today, if you just want to be free of that, Okay, because stress and anxiety is not what God gives you. That's not your inheritance. That's not a part of, uh, of the resources and, and, and our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. If you're experiencing that today, our ministry team will be up here after service. But I would just ask you to be bold. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you right now. That's not, that's not what we're about here. But if you feel, again, like there's something weighing on, you, weighing on your heart so heavy, um, it, it, it doesn't matter if it seems insignificant to you. Okay, God sees you and he wants to give you peace. He wants to free you from that. He wants to take that weight off. So if that applies you, please come up and see our ministry team after the service because they would absolutely love to pray for you. Sound good? All right, cool. Come on, he is worthy. God is moving. Come on, he is so good. He is so good. Sorry, I just want to, I don't want to miss this moment of the Holy Spirit. Good things come to those who wait on the Holy Spirit. So I appreciate you waiting with me. I appreciate you being patient uh, because we're about the Holy Spirit's business. All right. So listen, hey, I want to talk to you today about the subject of generosity and the specific parable, the specific story that I want to look at today because our series is called Stories That Change the World. It's found in Luke chapter 16. I want to look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. So if you have an electronic device, you want to open up to the YouVersion Bible app, or you can also find the Bible in the Faith Chapel mobile app. I do also want to point out that there are message notes in Faith Chapel's mobile app. You can follow along and engage with the messages as we move on through, so we'd love for you to check that out. Or if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 16. Uh, We're going to jump into that in just a second. But the title of my message today is The Power of Generosity. And I think we're going to learn some valuable lessons from the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. But let me tell you a little bit about myself. I love stories of generosity. Like, I love reading stories of people going out of their way to make a difference in someone else's life. Like, I, I just absolutely love it. And, and a story that came to mind as I was, as I was thinking about today, um, I'm a little bit of a sports fanatic. I think I'd watch anything um, pertaining to sports. Sarah uh, caught me one time watching curling, and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'd rather, like, watch grass grow than watch curling, but I just find sports interesting. Like, I would watch cricket, even though those games are, like, a day and a half long. I, don't, I, just, I just find it interesting. Um, but as I'm, as I'm scrolling through the ESPN app the other day, uh, probably for my 40th time, like, in the morning alone, um, I saw this really cool story. And there's a rookie quarterback for the, uh, for the Houston Texans uh, team. His name is Deshaun Watson. He's an amazing player. But what struck me, and, I mean, he is tearing it up right now. But what struck me about this story is that just after um, Hurricane Harvey hit uh, Texas and hit, hit Houston, he pledged one of his game checks. Like he literally gave his paycheck and he found three people in the Houston Texans organization that had literally lost everything as a result of the hurricane. And he said, you know what? I'm not even going to take this check. I'm going to give this check to them so that they can bounce back from losing everything to Hurricane Harvey. And man, that just, that just struck a chord in me that, 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 a, that a professional player, people that a lot of other people look up to, like a person that we look up to as a role model said, you know what? I'm not even going to take my paycheck, but I'm going to give it to somebody else to, 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 to give them peace of mind, to help uh, restore some of their lives and bring a sense of normalcy back to their lives. Man, that just that just wrecked me. I just absolutely love that story. And as I was reading, I found another story about a couple who was from the Tampa St. Pete area, and they were, they, were, they were evacuating from Florida ahead of Hurricane Irma. 
And they were, they were traveling. I don't even know what their final destination was. But they were traveling through uh, Tennessee. And they stopped in order to get some lunch on the way to their final destination. And, and as the story goes, um, when they stop and then they go to start their car again, their engine won't turn over. And I'm not lying. In the article, it said that literally every indicator on their car's dashboard came on. How many know of you? That just strikes fear in you. When your check engine light comes on, you're like, oh, Lord Jesus. Just take me now. Can anybody relate? Come on. And so, I kid you not, the, the way that the, the woman is telling the story, she said, man, the, the check engine light came on, you know, the oil pressure, the airbags, just the, the battery indicator came on, just everything. So they ask a gentleman who's parked next to them, hey, can you give us, can you give us a jump start? And he gives them a jump start. Well, they don't even know this, but the gentleman that helped give them a jump start was, managed that restaurant that they were stopping at to eat. He had managed that restaurant for 23 years. So, so he is able to kind of like bump them up in line because he guesses that they're evacuating um, ahead of Hurricane Irma. He gets them bumped up in line. They get a table quickly. They get to eat their food quickly. And then they enjoy their meal. This thing does not like me. You see this thing trying to jump right off my ear? I just want to make sure you can hear me. So they eat their food, and uh, just as they're about to, to pay the bill, the waitress comes by, and she lays down an envelope on the table, and in the envelope, there's $200 cash, there's a voucher for free, for free meals, and there's a note. And I want, you to, I, I want to read to you what the note said from this, from this gentleman um, that had blessed them. He said, I'm saddened to see such devastation in this beautiful state, referencing Florida. I hope everything will turn out okay for you guys. Enclosed, please accept my gift to you in case you need to buy a battery for your car. Come on, that is awesome. Also, I enclosed meal tickets so you can come back to eat here. Good luck, and thanks for visiting my restaurant. I mean, just, just put yourself in the shoes of, of that couple, okay? They're, they're evacuating um, to get away from Hurricane Irma. I mean, if I'm in their shoes, I'm thinking, I don't know what state my home is going to be, if it's even going to be there when I, re- when I return. They were from the Tampa St. Pete area. Like, just imagine what's going through their head, thinking, man, if our home's not there, we got to rebuild it, we got to move somewhere else, we got to deal with all the insurance stuff. I mean, th- they're on their way to try and escape uh, the hurricane, and then on top of that, they have car trouble. I mean, just imagine what's, what's going through their head. And then this gentleman comes along and through one act of generosity, I just imagine brought so much peace of mind to their situation. I mean, that just must have brightened their day. And as I'm reading the article, the article closed out by saying that the, the woman, because this was a couple, she said, you know, this, this act of generosity struck me so much. We weren't even in our hometown and someone went out of their way to bless us as, as we're evacuating. She said, I'm going to make it a point to pay it forward from here on out. And, and that just, man, I just, I love that story. And I love stories of generosity like this because it just, it's, it makes such a difference in people's lives. And here's, here's what I want to look at as we look at the, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. If you take anything away from my message, here's, here's the one thing that I want you to take away. So write this down, tweet it, uh, put it on Facebook. Here's the one thing that I, I want you to take away, okay? Our approach to giving has the power to shape the future. The approach that we have to giving, the thought processes behind our giving and how we go about giving has the power to shape the future. I mean, we look in that, we look in that instance, in that story, and that man displayed incredible generosity to this couple, and it impacted their future because she said, you know what, because of his act of generosity, I'm going to make sure to pay it forward in the future. So like I said, if, if we take one thing away from the message today. It's that our approach to giving has the power to shape the future. Let's read Luke chapter 16. We'll also have it up for you on the screen. I want to read Luke chapter 16. Uh, We'll start in verse 19. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. 
So, uh, yeah, here we go. Verse 19, Luke chapter 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. That's very important. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Verse 23, in hell where he was in torment, the rich man, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warm them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Verse 31, he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. All right, there's a couple things that I want to point out about this passage as we kind of like break it down, all right? So the first thing that I want to point out to you is that this rich man's approach to giving was very greedy. And because his approach to giving was greedy, it was in a way non-existent, okay? So if I were to define greed, I would define greed this way. It's the selfish and intense desire for something, but it's always focused on self, okay? So it kind of takes selfishness being focused on self to the next level. It's kind of like selfishness on steroids. And this man's approach to, to giving was greedy. Now, in that, in that passage, it says that this beggar was at the rich man's gate. So, so I have to believe that this rich man, at least, at very, very least, had a peripheral awareness that this man was, in essence, living outside of his house. Whether this rich man heard it from one of his, his staff or, his, or his, you know, his, his servants or someone, or if this man, I would even bet that he'd seen Lazarus just by going in and out of his house. And he would know that this man is begging. And then also he has a, a pretty serious deteriorating physical conditions. It says that even the dogs came and licked this man's open source. But, but we should ask ourselves this question. If this man's approach, if the rich man's approach to giving was greed, then how exactly did it shape his future? Because that's what I want to look at today, is that the way that we approach giving it has the power to shape our future. Well, when we look at that passage, I'll just summarize a couple things really quickly. Um, his greed shaped his future because he didn't care about anyone except himself. It robbed him. His greed robbed him of the, I would have to guess, daily opportunity to impact that man, Lazarus. In fact, Jesus referenced the law and the prophets. When we go back to the law, when we look in the Old Testament, there was actually laws that the Jews were supposed to follow in order to help provide for people that were less fortunate than them, and Lazarus would be in that category. So this man's greed robbed him of not only being able to help this man, or he chose not to, but it also robbed him of the law that was right in front of him that he would have lived by. So his greed shaped his future, but it shaped the future of someone else because he didn't help someone that was right in front of him. 
Again, like I would guess, every single day he probably saw him. It robbed him of the opportunity to impact Lazarus. But his greed also detracted from him worshiping God. I mean, there's a reason that he's in hell and that he's calling off to Father Abraham far off. And then his greed, his approach to giving affected his brothers. Because I have to imagine that if he could turn back the clock and go back and reach his brothers, he probably would. But he's in hell and he's saying, Father Abraham, if you can just send someone to warn my brothers, they'll repent of their sins. And Jesus says, man, if they don't have the law and the prophets, what makes you think someone raising from the dead is going to make a difference. And what I think that Jesus is doing in this parable, in this story, is he's, he's warning us of the very, very serious implications of greed, saying, listen, if our approach to giving or if our approach to life is greed, that intense and selfish desire just to focus on self, then we're going to miss out. And it's going to shape our future. And it's going to not just impact us, but it's going to impact the people around us, just like the rich man. And while Jesus warns us just specifically about greed in this story, he doesn't really talk about the other side of the coin, the the other side of the approach to giving in this parable. I think that if we expand our search a little bit, if we expand our study a little bit into the life and even even the body of teaching of Jesus, we see that there's more to this this whole giving thing than just greed. So if greed focuses on self, if, if someone's approach to giving is just focused on, on, on greed and that affects themselves, then if we, if we flip the script on the other side of the coin, we'd say the opposite of greed is generosity. If someone's approach to giving is generosity, then it affects many, many people. It's not just focused on self, but if someone's approach to giving is generosity, then it impacts many, many, many people because it's focused on others. Here's how I would, def- here's how I would define generosity. This is my own definition, okay? This is not what Marion Webster has to say, but this is how I would define generosity. Generosity is being free and it's being ready to give. Let me put it this way. When I think of generosity, when I think of someone who is, who is ready and who has the freedom to give, I think of runners in the Olympics, or I think of swimmers in the Olympics. You ever see them? They get on the blocks, which I don't have blocks here, but I'll just, I'll just pretend, okay? So they get their, their feet in the blocks, and they have the starting line right here, and they put their fingers right here, and their starter says ready, and they throw their butts up in the air, which I won't do. And then the starter fires the pistol or they use an electronic version and they're off. That's, when, that's, that's generosity. When I think of generosity in my mind, it's someone who's like, man, I just can't wait to give. I just can't wait to give someone, you know, whether it's money or time or energy or advice, I just can't wait to bless them because they are ready and they are free to give. There's a freedom with their giving. They're not worried about the cost. They're not being controlled by, oh my gosh, how is this going to implicate the, the, the rest of the things? And I'm just talk, not just talking about finances. I'm talking about giving anything. We can give our time. We can give our energy. We could give our knowledge. When I think of generosity, I think, man, the person is not controlled by what it's going to cost. They're not afraid of the personal implications because they are ready. They understand that when I give, it's focused on others. And let me tell you what, when we're generous, it multiplies our influence. Generosity is like irresistible, like no strings attached. Genuine generosity is like it's irresistible. Resistible. I'll tell you, I've been on the receiving end of some, of some let me tell you, some irresistible generosity. There was a, there was a season in Sarah my, in my life where in the course of 18 months, we were given two sizable financial gifts. One of those gifts was specifically to pay off our, our student loans. And we, we placed a very, very high uh, uh, value on education. We had some student loans that came with that. They, they were completely paid off. I think it was in the amount of close to 10 grand. And then in that same amount of time, someone else gave us a gift. And they said, hey, we want this to be a portion of, of your down payment for your mortgage for a future house. And we're just like completely blown away. We're like, we didn't, 
Like, what did we do? We didn't do it. And it's just people being generous, saying, you know what, we're ready and we're free to give because we understand that if we're going to be generous, it has to be focused on others and not just us. And then in that same period of time, someone gave us a second vehicle, which then empowered us to even be more effective in ministry with Sarah going over here and me going over here. And then we had a baby and it was just, it was just absolutely awesome. But genuine, no strings attached generosity, it's irresistible because it multiplies our influence. I mean, generosity by nature has others at the forefront of the mind. Like generosity is others first, me second. Now I'm not saying take it to the extreme and never take care of yourself because I don't think that's healthy. But let's look at a couple biblical examples. Zacchaeus, when he encounters, uh, when he encounters Jesus, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. When he encounters Jesus in Luke chapter 19, I just want to make sure I'm not telling you the wrong thing. He encounters Jesus and then he He's a tax collector. He decides to pay people back four times as much from the people that he stole from. He didn't just pay them back what he owed them or what he stole from them, rather, or with interest. He didn't just pay them back twice as much. He paid them back four times as much. Four times. That's crazy. That is generosity. That has other people in mind. Let me give you an Old Testament example. Genesis 45. Uh, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. I'll give you a little more context. So Joseph was bullied, made fun of, probably beaten up by his brothers, and then they disliked him so much they, they sold him into slavery. Imagine your family doing that. Sometimes we have rough family lives. Let's just, let's just let that put that in uh, you know, our situation into, uh, into perspective. All right. So he ends up, over the course of several years, basically becoming the second in command of Egypt, which was a world power at the time. His brothers then end up coming to Egypt because there's, there's a famine in the known world. And rather than repaying his brothers and treating them how they had treated him, he reveals himself to them and says, listen, I'm going to give you some of the best property. I'm going to provide for you. I'll tell you what, that is no strings attached generosity. Because Joseph, man, I'll tell you what, if I was in Joseph's shoes, I probably would have been greedy. I probably was like, man, I'm going to make them suffer for a little bit. Even, even if I was going to be generous in the end with them and give them the best land and provide food for them, I have to admit, I'm just being completely honest with you. I might have made them suffer just for a second before I was generous. But no, he didn't. He was, he was generous. He said, you know, what? I'm going to have others in mind I'm going to put them first, and I'm going to provide for them, even though he had been through so much pain and so much hurt and so many trials leading up to that point. And if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus' life revolved around giving. It's undeniable. Let me read you this verse in Matthew 20, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Check this out. Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, this is talking about Jesus, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. So that literally says the very purpose that Jesus walked on this earth for was to be generous, was to give, because he gave his life as a ransom for many. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about all of us and saying, man, I, I want to I be able to, to, to be, to be that, that, that um that ransom for many, be able to wipe away their sin and their mistakes and reconnect mankind with God. Man, that's awesome. Jesus taught in Luke 6. He said, the measure you use will be measured back to you. So he's teaching there on generosity. He's saying, when you're generous, 
it's going to come back to you because you're not concerned about yourself. You're concerned about other people. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but whenever we give, like, I just love giving. In fact, I've looked at some studies. It is, like, scientifically proven that it is healthy for our brains. It's healthy for our bodies to do good things for other people. So it is literally scientifically proven that generosity is healthy for our physical bodies. That just absolutely blows my mind. But, like, when I'm generous, like, it just gives you such a good feeling. Like, and you don't even think about, man, is this person going to, like, pay me back or, you know, it just, you just love being generous with people because it makes such a difference in our lives. But Jesus reassures us that when we're generous, it's going to come back to us. In John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus basically taught that generosity and love are inexplicably linked. Like you can't separate the two. You can't separate love and generosity. In fact, Jesus knew that giving, Jesus knew that generosity was so powerful that he set a new standard as it pertains to generosity. I want to read you this, these couple verses in Matthew chapter 5, verses 42 through 44. Check this out. Jesus said, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one that wants to borrow from you. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know about you. That's generosity at its best. Giving to people, that's like, that's like playing in sports and it's like giving the other team your playbook. It's not like, oh, they're just scouting us and they're, you know, they're, they're watching game film from two weeks ago. That's like giving somebody your playbook. Jesus is saying, don't just love the people that love you and hate your enemies. Jesus is saying, show generosity to the people that there is like next to no chance or there is zero chance that they'll ever pay you back because it's being ready and it's being free to give. And it doesn't matter like what those people have done. It doesn't matter what our enemies have done or have said because Jesus taught in Luke 6, he says, if you're generous, it'll come back to you. And generosity and love are inexplicable. You know what I mean. They're linked. We can't separate them. So what better way to demonstrate love to our enemies than to be generous. Jesus just, man, he just set the bar. I love this verse. 1 John chapter 3. Actually, I'm going to read you a couple of verses. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Here's the standard right here. Jesus laid down his life for us. That was an act of pure love and pure generosity at the same time. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Generosity should be like, be what people see when they see us. If we consider ourselves Christians, if we consider ourselves members of God's family, then love and generosity should be at the forefront of minds when people think about us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? There it is again. Generosity and love, they're right next to each other. We can't separate the two. How can the love of God be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. Love is expressed in generosity. And like I said, no strings attached. Genuine generosity is one of the most irresistible forces on the planet because it's love. It's love. When we express generosity to people that we don't know or people that we don't like or even our enemies like Jesus talked about, it's like it's the next to irresistible, especially if we keep, especially if we keep doing it. And this is generosity at its best. It's like we're in those blocks. We're running the 100 meter. We're like Usain Bolt when it comes to generosity. We're ready to just bust out of those blocks, ready to give and ready to love on people because we're ready and we're free to give. Knowing that if we're generous, God's going to take care of us. You know what I love about the first century church? 
is that they understood the power of generosity. They got people's attention, not just because God was moving in their midst, and he was. I mean, 3,000 people just, just added in a day? Are you stinking kidding me? Like, that's, that's flipping crazy. But they got people's attention by demonstrating a level of generosity that was so unheard of in that culture. I mean, women were regarded as valuable. Children were cared for. I mean, this was like opposite thinking in the Greek and the Roman world. That's what attracted people to them. When they were in the temple courts and they were learning from the apostles, it's because people were accepted. It's because people were safe and it's because they were generous. Let me, let me, come on, let's, let's look at this. This is sweet. Acts chapter 4, verses 32, and then 34 and 35. Acts 4, 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Everything they shared. Generosity, right there. Verse 34. There was no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Come on. Listen, the impact of the early church was so wide-reaching because they practiced genuine generosity. Because like I said, we cannot separate love and generosity. Why? Because generosity is focused on the well-being of others. If we look at love, like if, if I was to define love right now to you on the spot without looking up a definition, it would be wanting the best for other people. I would say that generosity is right there. It's almost like they're twins. Being generous is wanting the best for the other person and trying to make that come about. And here's what generosity does. Here's why the first century church, it was just their, their, their influence was crazy because generosity multiplies our influence. Let's back up a little bit. Let's go back to the rich man. I don't think that many of us would like hanging around greedy people. Like, hey, who are your friends? I just hang around greedy people. (laughs) You sure about that? No, we like hanging around people who are givers. We like hanging around people who are generous because they influence us. Greedy people might have influence, but they don't have influence for very long because no one wants to be around them. But the reason that that the first century church was so powerful, the reason they reached so many people is because the Holy Spirit was moving in their midst and people are getting healed and saved and delivered and because they demonstrated genuine, no strings attached, generosity. And that's how they loved on people. And I'll tell you what, genuine generosity is nearly irresistible. So if our approach to giving shapes the future, I don't know about you, but I want my approach to giving to be generosity because it multiplies my influence. I want to leave this church. I want to leave my family. I want to leave this youth group. I want to leave wherever I go a better place than when I came because of generosity. And I hope you want that too. So let me ask you this. Whose future are you going to shape? Whose future are you going to shape? Just think about that for a second. What facet of Faith Chapel are you going to help make better? Are you going to make your job a better place because you're generous? Are you going to make your school, your school a better place? You could shape the future of your school. You could shape the future of your campus by being generous. Think about that for a second. Whose mind can you put at ease by helping them? by demonstrating generosity in their lives, to put their mind at ease, much like that couple that we read of evacuating from the hurricane. We'd even go this direction. What charity, what organization is putting hands and feet to the things that you're passionate about? Maybe you're passionate about clean water. You want to help people around the world get clean water. Maybe you want to eradicate hungry children. Come on, let's go after that. Whose future do you want to shape? And we do it in the most powerful way as through generosity. Because I'll tell you what, no strings attached generosity 
It's like irresistible. And in that moment, we're being like the living, breathing representation of Jesus who was the perfect example of generosity over the course of human history. And then we're generous with people. Then we can share the gospel. It leads an inroad. Hey, I just want to, I want to tell you about somebody I know, the most generous person that ever lived. He loves me and he loves you too. So let me ask you this question. How can we give generously? How can we make our approach to giving one that is generous and therefore have the most positive effect on our future? I have three things for you. If you want to write this down, write this down. How do we give generously? How do we make our approach to giving generous? Again, like I said, so that we can positively shape our future. First thing is we surround ourselves with generous people. I'll tell you what, being around generous people, that gets me ready to be generous. Like, it, it, it's, it, you just like catch it. You just catch it when you're around generous people. I mean, I, I am slightly biased, but I'll be honest with you. My parents and my in-laws, Sarah's parents, are probably four of the most generous people on the face of the planet. And just by being around them, like even when, I, I, think, I think I probably noticed it more once I was out of their house and was less dumb and less stupid and less entitled. I'm being serious. I'm being 100% serious and I'm being funny. I think I appreciated their generosity so much more and how they're like, man, we're not even living in their home. We're not even under their roof. And they're like, man, we're going to go out of our way to bless you and to be generous. But I learned from them. I learned from my parents. I learned from my in-laws. And when I'm around them and and I see them be generous, Sarah's parents have been in ministry for 30 30 plus years. And I see them be be generous in ministry. And I just see my parents be generous, like like to my family, my extended family. Like, I can't wait to be generous. Like, you just want to go out and you just want to, you just want to love on everyone that you see and just be generous. If we're going to be generous, we need to surround ourselves with generous people because we catch what they have and we learn from what they've learned. Okay, so if we're going to be generous, we need to surround ourselves with generous people. And then Here's another point. Start small and, and build your way up from there. I heard someone put it this way. Start with a five-minute favor. Do something that you start small, but it's still significant. But do something small that provides large value for someone else. Maybe you just leave someone a note. Maybe you send them an email or just call them really quick on your way to work. Be like, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Start with something small, a five-minute favor that brings crazy amounts of value to that person. Start small, build up from there. We don't have to be Mother Teresa or Gandhi right off the bat. Let's start somewhere and build from there, all right? Surround ourselves with generous people. Start small and build up from there. And third, let's encourage generosity until it's the cultural norm. Whoever we're around, okay? So just like we're going to surround ourselves with generous people, let's surround ourselves with people that we can then impart what we've learned about generosity. Come on, let's teach generosity. We are the, mo- we are the group that is the, the, the most generous group on the face of the planet as, as the local church, not just Faith Chapel, but as the family of God. We are the most generous group of people on the face of the planet. Start by surrounding ourselves with generous people. Start small, build up from there. Try a five-minute favor. Try a five-minute favor. I challenge you, try and do something small for someone that's going to bring a lot of value for them before the day is over, okay? And it's, it's, it might not just like drop in front of you. You might have to think about it. But come on, let's start small, build up from there. And then third, let's encourage generosity until it's the cultural norm. Would you stand with me? Just want to let you know that after I, I finish praying, the ministry team will be up here if if the word of knowledge that I, I had earlier uh, resonated with you, uh, then I just ask you to come and see one of these amazing, loving people because they'd, they'd love to pray for you. If, if you have any other need, you have a physical need, you have an emotional need, just, just come see these people. It, it, it's a safe place, all right? Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Let's pray together. Actually, you know what? We're, we're going to do a declaration, so just repeat after me because we're going to declare the truth and then I'm going to pray for you, okay? All right, you ready for this? 
All right. Because Jesus loved us, we are the most generous people on the face of the planet. And because he loved us, we will demonstrate generosity until we change the world. Let me pray for you. Father, we just bless your holy name. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be generous, God? Lord, I just thank you for this week. I thank you for the five-minute favors and the people that we're going to surround ourselves with to continue to help us move forward and be the, the most generous people on the face of the planet, God, because we want to not just shape our future. We want to shape the future of many people, of generations to come because of us expressing love through generosity. Would you help us, Holy Spirit? And Lord, I ask, I ask for those in this place that might be struggling, might be struggling financially or might be saying, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy to invest in something like this. I don't have the finances. Lord, would you just bless them because you're a faithful and you're a generous and you're a good father and you love to give us good gifts. So Lord, give us what we need. Thank you, Lord, for offering your, your son as, as a ransom for many that, that we could be recipients of the greatest act of generosity in the course of human history. So Lord, we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Grab some coffee in the atrium. Hang out.